Welcome to the Luge Rugby Podcast with your hosts, Derek Brissett and Dan Murphy. Hello again, everybody, and thank you for joining us on this episode of Le Rouge Rugby. My name is Dan Murphy, and with me, always, is Derek Brissett. Derek, we survived the first week of MLR 2020. There were a few surprises, uh, a few not surprises, and at least one streaker this weekend. Yeah, no, I think that uh, that officially means we're big time now, right? I mean, that's the... Uh... The official stamp of uh, making it in American sports, I guess, is when you have streakers at the biggest events of the season, which was, you know, obviously the debut of the Gilgronies brand and the Toronto Arrows' first game of the season. Uh, I mean, hey, man, nice to it's nice to see the the fans get involved sometimes, and uh, you know, <laughs> he I think I think he got a little close to a Leandro Livas there. I don't know, he looked oh, a little. Livas wanted nothing to do with him. He wanted, wanted no, nothing. I was to do like, with yeah, get this Joker away from me right now, please. Um, but, uh, yeah, hey, I mean, you know, fans look like they're having a good time, which, you know, I guess is, you know, maybe a little bit of an upgrade on Austin's season right now. So uh, from last year. So fans are enjoying themselves. So you can't ask for uh, much more. Uh, I mean, hopefully that guy's jail cell was comfy, I guess. I don't know. You know what? The Austin just for his bail and tackling rate is like, and then maybe uh, sign him to, you know, play as a, as, as, a, as a black ace in the pocket near the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're definitely not signing any of the security guards that missed, like, four tackles there, so. Ugh. We're going to start. We, uh, I was going to say, that's what we kind of needed. You ever see that video of, like, the guy that jumps on the ice of a hockey game and the ref just, like, lays him out? Like, absolutely, like, would have been, like, a complete boarding penalty or whatever. It's kind of <laughs> old. It's from, like, the 80s. The guy was, like, unconscious on the ice after the ref hit him. It's like I'm we... kind of glad that didn't happen, but it's like bad things have happened to people that run on the field. So what I hear from Derek is, if you want to ref an MLR, you're going to be going through a rigorous tackling test to make yeah. sure that if there's a streaker, you need to be able to take this guy out. That is going to be I mean, part of the prerequisite to work the league. Yeah, I mean maybe maybe avoid hitting hitting people um, that aren't involved in the rugby game. Uh, it's probably probably better for your actual. Uh, uh, everybody at LaRouge Rugby does not actually support hitting fans that run on the field. Um, you know what? Some... Everyone has just has to sign a waiver, and the waiver just S- says, sign a waiver, warning, yeah. if entered the field, you will be tackled by the ref. And then, you know what? We'll be fine. There's no way we could be sued. <laughs> yeah, it's like the, the flying pucks waivers on the back of hockey tickets. Or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Inter- interactive, yeah, actually, interactive I actually rugby. have a hockey ticket in front of me. Is there it there? It definitely hockey tickets definitely have like a, wa- a basically a waiver that says you if you get hit by a flying puck, like you're kind of like they'll stitch you up and stuff. But other than that, you can't really do anything about it. Yep. Yeah. It's like sticks man- or other objects may still fly into the spectator area. Yeah. Serious injury can occur. Stay alert at all times during warm up. Huh. Well, there you go. Now yeah. everyone knows a little more about uh, Canadiana. But we're <laughs> we're gonna get right into it. We are going to get right into it. Uh, we are going to do our, our uh, weekly MLR Canada roundup. And the first game we're going to talk about, because the first game of the weekend didn't have any Canadians in it, we're going to talk about NOLA versus Old Glory. So Old Glory started their 2020 campaign and their inaugural season off 
with a loss, and it was a scary loss. Uh, they lost 46 to 13 to Nola. And I mean, from old, from old glory, there, there was a positive from a Canadian standpoint is the first overall try in franchise history went to a Canadian, you know, Doug Frazier, uh, finished off a good team play and, and ran into the corner and scored the try overall team performance. Derek, what went wrong for Nola or not for Nola for old glory? Nothing went wrong for Nola. Um, everything kind of went right for them. Um, yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> you know what I meant. Yeah. No, I just you know got to rip on you a little bit. Um, yeah. I mean, it's uh, you know basically, yeah. Um, they, they just man, everything kind of went wrong for Old Glory there. They uh, the biggest one obviously um, the scrum just could just could not hang with Nola. Um, Nola's scrum just kind of pushed them back at every possible opportunity that they have. Um, very, very apparent that they need the beast to get that visa cleared ASAP. Um, whatever, like, I'm not, you know, I, I don't, like we said before, I don't really know a whole lot that goes into acquiring a visa or the legalities of it, but hopefully Old Glory DC and Major League Rugby can get that sorted out soon. Um, because, man, do they ever need him? Um, because they, they just got, they just got run over by Nola. Um, the Nola Pack completely dominated this game, even to the tune of, you know, um, even, even to the tune of the forward pack picking up five tries on their own. Um, you know, ever every tr- like up until Dominguez had his the last try of the I think Dominguez had the last try of the game. Um, yeah, right up, yeah. Up until that point, all the tries that Nola scored all came from the pack. Cam Dolan obviously leading the way with the hat trick, um, and yeah, no that Cam Dolan can single-handedly destroy you when he's on his game and then you know if you can't compete with the rest of the pack you're going to be in a lot of trouble against nola um nola obviously you know they still kind of come as advertised right they're that team that uh you know just like last year they still they're uh, looking like that team is still going to be capable of putting up uh, 40 points at will so um you got to kind of come up with something to stop them and uh old glory just really had no answers at all for that and I think part of it, too, is is anytime the Old Glory would have the ball, it just seemed that they were stagnant. I like what I saw from uh, Kieran Hearn is he seemed still lively, you know, mm-hmm. getting up there in age. And, and, you know, he was defensively kind of all over the pitch as well, which was nice to see. And he seemed like a good option when they had the ball, but it just seemed that ne- they never had the ball. Now, going to the, to the NOLA side of this game, and, and this is something that I, I saw a little bit on Twitter and on, on Reddit Kyle Bailey, who was named uh, uh, co-captain, was he named co-captain or, or just captain of Nola this year? I think he's officially a co-captain, but like JP Eloff is the captain, but he was hurt, so I think he got the sole okay. promotion there. But I think officially, like for the whole course of the year, Eloff, Eloff when he's healthy, is going to be the actual captain for Nola. Right. But, okay. So I want everyone, and again, we've already mentioned hockey twice I think in this podcast but I want everyone to put their hockey lens on and I want to look at Kyle Bailey is he I think the best way to describe this is an enforcer for Nola and I don't mean he's out there beating the the hell out of people with fights and stuff like that but you look at his play during the breakdowns you you watch him talking during uh malls and lineouts and 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 making big tackles you know I don't think that he's ever going to wow you 
with big runs or or de- you know flashy plays, but he's just a workhorse. And I think an enforcer, especially like I said, in those breakdowns, is something that am I on the right track? You know, or are other people on the right track when when we describe him as that, Derek? Yeah, I mean, like Kyle Bailey's definitely a guy that, uh, like you said, it's not necessarily always flashy, but he loves to play that physical style of game. And uh, you know, even even to the extent of like, you know, if he's got to kind of get in your face after a play, like he's one of those guys that's kind of willing to do it. Um, so yeah, it's you know, it's probably a little part of the reason why he's the captain. You know, he's uh, willing to stand up for the teammates. Uh, you know, back the boys whenever they uh, they need anything, and then. Uh, you know, and he, he does, man. He hits rucks hard. He hits people in general really hard. Um, yeah, him carrying the ball, like, if you want to go, like, you're probably going to feel it if you attempt to go hit him. Yeah, he's just, not running around you. He's running through you. Yeah. That, that is his style of running. Yeah, it's it's what, it's honestly, it's like, it's what makes Kyle Bailey a good rugby player is his phys, the physical presence that he can bring. It's why Nola wants him on their team. It's why he makes the Canadian national team. That's why Canada, like when he was hurt, um, you know, during the World Cup here, it's like, it's why Canada missed him so much because it's like just the way he plays and stuff. You need, every rugby team needs a player like Kyle Bailey on their squad um, and basically in order to be successful and, uh, you know, Nola kind of luck has kind of lucked out. Their pack is looking very good, and uh, you know they got they got a couple guys that can you know grind out and uh, you know uh, you know hit those rucks with Bailey and stuff. It just makes them even more effective. Creates a lot of creates a lot of holes in the defense, especially when you start like wearing them down. Um, I thought kind of like toward the end of the game and stuff. I mean, I know they scored a try at the end, but it was like Old Glory kind of looked like you know they were just struggling to you know, kind of just the fitness level they were kind of struggling with a little bit. Um, Just to kind of like hang with Nola when they were bringing that level of physicality. And, you know, Kyle Bailey was one of the the leaders in that. Um, Obviously, you know, they had their own issues in the scrum, which led to a couple tries too. Um, But yeah, it's like, you know, it's it's great to see a player like Kyle having some success in in Major League Rugby. And, uh, you know, I I enjoy watching him play. and I hope he keeps it up uh, throughout the rest of the, the 2020 season. And, you know, we're going to stick with that pack just for a minute because there's another Canadian that had a, uh, a strong game, uh, Eric Howard. And, uh, you know, Eric's had an interesting, uh, you know, 12 months, uh, maybe backtrack that to, you know, 16 months because, you know, it was December of 2018. And it was, we, we kind of found out right before, season two of MLR that that Ray Barkwell was retiring and that point on it was decided by default that Eric Howard was the number one hooker in Canada and you know he showed up by having a really strong season with NOLA and with Canada Um, and you know one of the things that I've noticed and I kind of went back um, and, and looked at some of his games with NOLA um, especially against the arrows, um, is that he has a tendency to run more with Nola and be part of the, the offensive strategy um, than compared with Canada. With Canada, he seemed to be more of the support with the ruck. And is that a confidence thing, Derek? Does he? Do you think that he just feels more confident in MLR running the ball, or is it a coaching strategy? Like they just feel that like they've got different options at the national level that they don't bother with Eric running the ball as much. Uh, it's probably, it's probably a bit of both. I mean, I think obviously, I think if you look at the way Nola plays, I think they're, you know, the coaching staff there is clearly, uh, kind of devising a bit of a strategy to get 
um, Eric Howard involved in the uh, in the running game a little bit more. Um, so I think that that is a little bit a part of that. I think you know watching. Uh, and, and you know what, maybe, maybe part of it is confidence. Confidence can come to, you know, it's tough to be confident with the ball when like, you know, if you look back at the world cup, like when you're playing the spring box, all blacks, um, like teams uh, yeah. of that level, like, you know, it's, it's a little bit tougher to build that confidence and stuff up. Um, even a team like the USA who like as painful as it is to admit have been kind of killing Canada in the last, uh, what are we at right now? Like 14 winless games against them. I think or something, so. Yeah. Something like that. It's terrible. Um, but, uh, like, and yeah, like it's, you know, so maybe, you know, having, uh, you know, the little MLR competition and stuff, maybe it is a little bit of confidence boost. I'm not too sure. Um, that's more of a question that you'd probably have to ask him. Um, but I think, I think I would agree. I think Nola, Nola's, uh, strategy kind of, um, allows him to carry the ball and stuff a lot more. It's something that a lot of MLR teams do, especially with like the rolling malls and stuff. It's why so many hookers end up with, some decent try scoring numbers in this league is because a lot of teams um, kind of I think took that a little bit of that like Rooney model and just, you know, get that mall in close and then just have the hookers sort of um, be kind of the benefactor in it. So I think uh, a lot of teams are kind of starting to do that where they are opting to get the ball in the hookers hands a little bit more often. Um, so, I mean, it's something to kind of keep an eye on. I think if you're looking at the grand scheme of the Canadian national team, though, it's kind of, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on, uh, um, you know, Eric Howard and, uh, Andrew Quatrin, cause that's pretty much your battle for, uh, you know, we're coming up to the, uh, when we come up to the ARC later in the year, I think, uh, you know, your battle at hooker is going to be between those two guys. So it'll be to certainly be an interesting thing to keep an eye on, um, as the MLR season unfolds, uh, between the two of them and so kind of see who's performing better. I think that that will be really interesting because uh, I, th- I think that that really it is Howard's position to lose. I think that it really all depends on how how Quatrin goes this season. Um, you know, we're going to move on to the next game, though. And uh, it was a historic game. It was a come behind victory. It was, in my opinion, one of the most exciting games to watch. Mm. Uh, rugby ATL uh, down early, came from behind versus Utah and won 28 to 19. Um, yeah, Matt Heaton had a really strong game, um, mm-hmm. talking about that Canadian content, you know, led the team on both sides and another Canadian captain, which later on, we're going to get a little bit into that. Uh, so, so keep that in mind when you're hearing these stories about some of these Canadians, uh, scored a, a try versus his way through the, through the, 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 the line and scored, um, and also had huge tackles. He made a tackle in the second half of the game that made my ribs hurt. You know, it was it, it was a pretty impressive game from him, uh, Derek. And then on, on the other Canadian that was playing, uh, starting in the four jersey, Connor Keys, he had he seemed like he he belonged in MLR. I, I will say that um, you can correct me on this. He only played about forty five ish minutes in the game, and then was taken yeah. out. Um, but he didn't really have a world ending or you know you know outstanding game in terms of either defensive or offensive. Um, style of play no yeah he didn't i don't i don't think uh he played poorly by any stretch of the imagination but i i would agree with that and overall it was a pretty quiet game for him um which you know isn't necessarily a bad thing it's just you know like you said it's like he just he didn't really do anything that kind of would like blow your mind and say that was really like yeah that, you know, there's no like like thinking back to the game. It's not like I'm like, you know, Connor Keys made a phenomenal play here, 
or anything, but it's like he, you also can't think of anything that he did negatively to impact his team either. Yes. Um, which is always a good thing too. Um, but you know, yeah, like you said, he played uh just just over forty five minutes, so it's like didn't really get the full shift in. Um, his team though kind of turned it around after he uh, came off the pitch though, so they had a little big comeback surge late in the game there. Um, yeah, Matt Heaton. Matt Heaton was outstanding um, th- throughout this game. Um, you know, it's it's cool uh, between. Uh, you know, between Old Glory DC and uh, Rugby ATL, it's like, uh, you know, just just a few hours apart, too, that uh, Connor Keyes and Doug Frazier touched down for the uh, first tries in franchise history. Yeah. Uh, we'll move on a little bit later. Uh, Josh Larson, too, had a hand. Didn't actually score it. I was kind of hoping. I was a point in time where I was really hoping for just a nice trifecta of all the new the, all the new MLR teams getting their first, uh, their first try scored by a Canadian. Um, so, yeah. Uh, uh, like I, I was kind of hoping that that could happen for a brief period of time, but it ultimately didn't. But Frazier and Heaton kind of did come through with that. Um, Heaton, Heaton too. It was uh, that was a try. You no, know, Connor Keys came down with the ball on that line out too, so he had an impact on the try there. Um, nice little rolling ball from uh, Rugby ATL. Heaton being the benefactor at the end. Um, but yeah, he had some monster hits in this game too. Um, including, yeah. you know that that big one at the toward the end of the game. Um, where he created that turnover while, you know, it was st- uh, that at that point in the game, it was still, you know, a one possession game. Utah could score and then they would, you know, be the winners at the death there. But, uh, you know, Heat he makes a big hit, turns the ball over. Uh, Rugby ATL is kind of able to go up the field and eventually Coleman's the guy that kind of ices the game with a penalty kick at the end um, or penalty goal at the end. And uh, so, you know, he had a massive impact, um, kind of showing why uh, that club decided to uh, give him uh, give him the captaincy. And um, he, he he ran with it and had an outstanding performance in his both his first MLR game and the first uh, game, uh, rugby ATL game in history. Um, and, you know, the it's kind of interesting. So like rugby ATL was like the one expansion team that was actually getting a lot of love to, uh, you know, actually win their first game, um, which. You know, maybe maybe says a little a little something about Utah that there's doesn't seem to be a whole lot of confidence in their ability to go far this season. Um, obviously, the injury to Lance Williams kind of really really hurts them right. too. Um, but yeah, know, I thought, but uh, but hey, like you know, so it's like you know, man, there's a, there's a bit of a reason that people kind of do like rugby ATL personally. For me, I kind of picked them as a bit of a dark horse pick to uh, go into the postseason. Um, and I think, you know, if Heaton keeps playing the way he is, he played in this game, it's like, you know, they, they are going to be able to have a big impact on the, on the league. Hopefully, you know, hopefully keys and stuff is able to pick up his game as well. And, you know, we can kind of watch two Canadians sort of thrive on a, uh, new MLR team. And you know what? I think that the back line of Canada is going, is, is going to depend on, on Heaton's development because, you know, he's got some guys that are going to be challenging him for, that sixth jersey for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of those guys, Peter Malazzo, who I did not know he was 23 years old, which makes he yeah. looks like he is way older than I am. Uh, so, so you know, to be 23 and and have started every game for the Arrows, he played last almost. Year. He played almost every minute. Yeah, the, the, he like, had to. He did. He just didn't start that game against Austin. That was rescheduled. Yeah. because of the the weather issues that yeah. wouldn't allow the Austin to take off, and then it was in the middle of the the three games in eight days stretch. That's the only reason he didn't play every game or every yeah, minute and I mean, of every. Game. 
and then you've got the other Larson brother who played with uh, Old Glory. Didn't make that much of an impact, but you know he has been lurking in in the waters uh, with with playing for for the national team. You know, so it there is there are a lot of there's a lot of competition. You know, I mean, Rumble's got that seven jersey locked up, so I, I'm interested to see how Heaton's jersey or Heaton's season goes because if he has a good season, he's playing a good amount of those ARC games. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I think I think that's uh, one of those points. It's like, hey, like Matt Heaton, like Rugby Canada nominated him for Player of the Year. Um, so obviously, Rugby Canada is super high on this guy too. Um, and I think you know, I, I, it's nice to see him in Major League Rugby. It's nice to see Canadians in general um, getting shots on American teams and stuff as well. And uh, yeah. I think I think it looks like Heaton, uh, based on the first game, it looks like he's really in a uh, in a position where he can. Uh, you know, he can kind of thrive in the league too. Um, you know, he, yeah, he was, he was a monster in this game. And, you know, we're going to move on to what quite possibly is the shock of, of the weekend. And <laughs> I'm still scratching my head about how this game turned out. The free Jacks shell shock Rooney just, I destroyed him. I destroyed them. And it, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't anyone like, piece of play you know the the scrum the free jacks had an, an advantage especially after uh ryan got hurt um the the line out the play in open field it's just they, they would suffocate anytime the ball would get out bastro looked like a non-option like he he what i don't even remember ever seeing them make any big plays like it, it was it was insane uh-huh. and also the craziest try to ever happen in my yeah. lifetime, I've never seen a try like that happen. Tide leader, the... the ultimate crossbar challenge champion right now. Um, I would honestly, like, I don't know. If you put him, put him back in that stadium and be like, give him, like, another, like, give him 100 shots to do that again. It's, it's just, a, I'm just curious to see how often he can actually make that happen. But, yeah, that is, man, that is the ult- the greatest crossbar challenge I've ever seen. And that was that was amazing. It was set up like perfectly. It bounced Just into perfect. Uh, it bounced into the. Uh, I can't. Oh man, I'm blanking on who that player was that actually capitalized on that. But it bounced directly into his hands too. Like it was. It was just you couldn't have passed that better. Basically, yeah. It's amazing. Ben, poor Ben Foden. Like you could just see the absolute defeat in his eyes. And you know what was the craziest part of the, that game is Josh Larson made the perfect pass and from the scrum half position. You know, I think he had a pretty strong game. I mean, like you mentioned before, it would have been really cool if he gotten that first try. But, you know, first game as captain, he had a strong performance. You know, Derek, include him in, in into the Free Jacks. Are they that good? Or was Rudy so shell-shocked by their start that they just underperformed? Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I don't I don't know. Um, it, it, uh yeah, I don't. I don't know. It'll be. It'll be kind of, kind of interesting to uh, to kind of see uh, what they kind of end up doing. Um, yeah, it was. It was. It, man, like I. I don't think anybody expected this to happen. Um, Rooney. Rooney going into the season was, um, you know, obviously favored as like you know a playoff team. They made the playoffs last year. They were a top four team in their, uh, you know, in their their first year of existence, and then. They just kind of came out, and like, like I said, I just thought they, they came out like really flat. They didn't have, 
necessarily a whole lot of en- energy like you kind of alluded to with you know Bastero there it's like a lot of their their big players didn't didn't have a uh, a massive a massive impact on the game um and now i'm just looking at it bradley hemopo he was the the benefactor of tog leaders in st crossbar challenge um that fooled ben fold in there um, I just wanted to get his name right because I blanked on his name. So apologies uh, to Bradley there. Um, but yeah, the uh, Free Jacks, uh, the Free Jacks kind of dominated this game in every in every facet of it. The scrum looked really good. Um, they were like, you know, New York was super, uh, super famous for their rolling mall, which uh, especially at a line out in close range is how they scored a lot of their tries last year. And the Free Jacks just kept stuff in that. Um, there was like they couldn't really the free uh, Rooney really couldn't get a whole lot going on in this game. Um, Kensuke Hadakeyama um, was outstanding in his debut. I think that's going to be a major sign. That's going to he's going to yeah. have a huge impact on this league too. Um, but there was there was a lot of uh, really you know great great players. You know Sam, Liam Steele looked really good. Bowden Waka um, had some outstanding individual efforts and stuff that eventually you know that one try with the little chip kick and then ball kind of bounced around a little bit with us uh, uh with beard and steel um ultimately uh creating the, the ending of that that try to touchdown um and um touched the ball down for the to try and uh you know they like they like there is not a whole lot that uh the free jacks did wrong in that game uh like i said i think you're kind of right i think rooney was just sort of they looked kind of shell shocked in the game. Like they didn't, uh, you know, they they got out to, uh, you know, they kind of blinked and they were already down fifteen nothing. Um, yeah. And then, you know, when when a play like what happened to Ben Foden kind of occurs, you just kind of like, like I'm not even sure how you react to that. I just kind of kind of laugh, um, just because like that'll that'll never that'll probably never happen again. Um, just an ins- insane try. Um, and but like that kind of. It's the perfect example of how this game went. It was just everything like New New England couldn't do anything wrong. Like e- even that play on its own was kind of weird because I was off a penalty, and a uh, leader took a quick tap and then just kicked it down the field, as opposed yeah. to you know kicking for touch or doing anything else that normally occurs on a penalty. So like that play was just kind of weird, and it was just every like the perfect way to sum up the game was just everything went right for the new England free Jacks and everything went wrong for rugby United New York. I think that's, yeah, I, I think my favorite part about how that game ended up is, is the free Jacks and some of their players shared the, the, the pundits, uh, guesses and, and no one had picked them. And, and they yep. say funny how that turned out. Right, I think that that was just a Dude, perfect like. Yeah, like, it was just a perfect jab, and I think it, it was just a great way to kind of start your season. Yeah, that, I think that's kind of what you need, though. I like seeing that from the players and stuff. Uh, you know, keep them, get them engaged with the media and everything. It's always fun. Um, you know, it's 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 always good to kind of have that. And I'm sure you know, seeing seeing that you know nobody is picking you to win, and then you know you come out in that match, and not only do you win, but you win by twenty. Um, with a yes. bonus point in your first game against um, a playoff team from last year and a team that's kind of favored to go pretty deep. Um, I think, you know, a lot of the preseason projections kind of have the East between uh, New York and Toronto. And um, New England just came out of the gate fire in here and uh, dismantled Rooney. Um, as far as if they're actually good or if this is, you know, kind of a one-off and or if Rooney's actually bad, or if this is kind of a one-off, I think, 
I think it's one of those things where you kind of got to wait and see until next week, get a couple of games in, and then you can get really get like a true assessment of what the free jacks are going to be bringing to the table. But, you know, they looked really good in this game. And, and one of the big games that uh, everyone has looking to have, it was a CBS Sports game of the week, the Seawolves versus the Legion. San Diego controlled that game for most of it. I mean, the first, uh, Seattle got the first try, but after that, it was all San Diego. Yeah. You know, no Canadian other than Nakai Penning, who was another flanker that we didn't mention previously when talking about competition for Matt Heaton. You know, he played very well, but after that, Brock Stoller was very quiet. George Barton coming off the bench didn't really make any impact at all. Well, he, had um, a, he had a try. A try, a try is a good impact. Yeah. So, a try, yeah, a try is a good impact. I, I, I think it's a good impact anyways. Sirius Duru and Jake and Nicky, they had, they had good games, but, like, again, nothing – there's just nothing that could stop the Legion's back line. And I think – no, nothing like nothing really could 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 solve it. And and again, I will. I I made the choice for Seattle. I think one of the biggest problems is that there there just didn't seem like a lot of cohesion on their side their side with the backs, and they didn't figure it out until it was too late. You know, once once they started getting the ball in their hands a little bit more, they they started making better plays. But I think they're really going to miss Ben Sima. And until he's healthy, I think that they're going to probably not do as well. And, I mean, also not having a player like Jeff Hassler on the field as well. I mean, he's always uh, ready to make big plays. So I'm not going to say that it's all because of a couple big injuries, but this wasn't the best Seattle game that we've seen. I no. think that they're, they're in charge. They've got more, but if we're going to talk about one game, it was it was a legion and, and control and and one of those guys was just was Mahananu, his performance Derek was just incredible. Oh man, yeah, no, Nanu, uh, Nanu making his presence felt in a big way. Um, you know, it's kind of like funny. It's like like you said, it was. Um, you know, he he didn't necessarily have a ton of carries, especially in the first half. Well, no, because you know, made me guess, and I guessed like fifteen. Yes, yeah, and it was it was under five officially, um, but uh, it was yeah four, um, and yeah, so he's like he didn't have a whole lot of actual carries with it. Um, he did get some touches, obviously, but you know that was the big thing. It's like it, it was crazy to watch that you know there's that fifteen or so minute stretch where Nanu was just like, I am taking over this game and we are winning, and it was just like a decision was made and he just. He destroyed Seattle's defensive line. Like the famed seawall just collapsed in front of, like, just, it was kind of like watching, like, you know, the parting of the seas in, like, biblical, from, like, those biblical tales and stuff. And it was just, you know, he just, yeah, he, he just was essentially, you know, especially like those skip passes that sprung on, sprung to wingers um, with basically no defender in front of them was, were outstanding. Um, you know, he kind of kind of showed that it's like, you know, I think it's kind of showed that it's, you know, he doesn't maybe necessarily need the ball a whole lot, but it's like when he gets it, he's going to destroy you. And it's the fact, too, that it's like it's not just Nanu, though, because it's like I think that that was the perfect, you know, the perfect example. It's like, man, Brock Stoller, uh, poor guy, man. Like he was 
you know, it's like you want to come over and help, uh, you know, because you know you have to tackle Nanu. But it's like as soon as Stalar changes his body position, Nanu just slings that pass, and you know it's a try. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's um, it's amazing to see like how just effective one player can be um, for a team because he completely took over that game. Um, but then you kind of go in and realize who else is in that Seattle backline, or sorry, in that uh, San Diego backline, and. You know, like I, I have no idea what you do to stop this team, man. Like, like Luke Burton, Dylan Oddsley, JP Two Plus C, Save Total Vasau, Mikey Teo, they all had solid games, um, and they created plenty of problems for you know the Seawall, which is you know like they have the nickname of the Seawall for a reason. Like defense is, you know, yeah. a big component of their game, and they, especially in the second half, and what Nanu did to it, just picked them apart. And again, we talk. They just have depth, you know. We, we yeah. they were interviewing Joe Peterson in, in the in the broadcast, and, yeah, he's and hurt. He he was hurt, and you know, he was their starting fly half. And there there's talks about him moving to fullback this year. So you move Mikey Teo to the wing, and then you got to take one of those wingers out. Like it, it was, it's it's insane the depth that they have. And you know, if they're going to keep on pulling from the sevens program, which is such a boon for San Diego. My goodness, you got a couple of sevens players not getting a lot of playing time on the circuit. Ah, come play with us for a couple of games. Uh-huh. You know, just keep your legs warm. It, it's, I want to say it's an unfair advantage, but you know what? Like that's just the bare bones of, of 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 this kind of level of of, of sport. You're gonna take every advantage you can to, to be on top, and and they're definitely gunning for you know the uh, the, the the title. And you know the last game of the of the the weekend was in our eyes the most important because it was a game involving the Toronto Arrows. You know the, the Arrows, Toronto Arrows games are always the most important rugby game of the weekend. Always that includes that includes the Six Nations. <laughs> they they finished the game off strong. Their scrum was delicious. It was aggressive. Uh, they defeated the Gildronies thirty eight to ten. Derek, that scrum game was just so strong, and it was so impressive. And I know we have to take into consideration who their opponent was, but and even in the broadcast they mention it. The front row is they, they weren't any slouches like uh, White, Ariaka, and and Slade. They're Shade. all good scrum. Shade. They're all good scrummagers, you know. But no, they are. It I think, didn't I think seem to White's a tad underrated as just a player in Major League Rugby myself. Yeah. Um, yeah, that scrum looked outstanding. Um, I mean, if, if anybody does follow what I what I write for Layman Sports and stuff, you know, I've been kind of singing the praises of the scrum going into this season. And, uh, you know, this, this game was like a perfect example of what it was. Uh, that scrum just annihilated, annihilated um, Austin. Um, there was obviously, you know, you have the, um, the penalty try. You have Jamie McKenzie's try. You have Peter Malazzo's try. Um, that all, that all came directly from the scrum. Malazzo's try off uh, off an Austin feed, just and off Austin feed with the most of the bench guy that was the second that was the uh, the reserve front row um for that tried there uh with Lynott Ng and Rowland and they ran over 
um, the um, the Austin scrum. Um, and then, you know, uh, Malazzo had, you know, just all clear from the, uh, the t- basically the 22 on in. Um, McKenzie just, you know, kind of let the scrum just put on a huge push. Um, and then, you know, just backed himself to take it the, the remaining yeah. couple meters there, uh, which was amazing. Uh, you know, it's it was one of those things that, um, you know, I know the Toronto Arrows, um, I know the players and stuff that are not going to be happy with the amount of handling errors. Um, knock-ons that they had um, when they when they had possession of the ball, but I thought that was the big thing that summed up this game. It was like the arrow scrum was so good <laughs> that it didn't matter. Because it didn't matter. It didn't matter um, because like the you know the Toronto would go, they would throw it, and it's like oh hey like a knock-on occurs, and then like the scrum would just get it back because it would they would either win the ball cleanly um, by just blowing Austin completely off the ball. Or they would earn a penalty, and then it's you know either Sam Malcolm, uh, you know, getting a chance to kick a goal, or it would be you know a kick, a kick to touch off for territory and a, another crack at a try. Um, and, but yeah, like that was that was kind of, um, I, I think I think the first try of the game. I know it's not a scrum, but I think the first try of the game, um, like you know, just under two minutes in by uh, Manuel Diana. Um, was like the thing that completely sums up this game in which um, they have a line out, Quacha throws it in, it gets stolen, but instead of Austin being able to, it gets stolen, they lose this line out, but instead of Austin being able to pick up the ball and, you know, turn around and start like a counter attack or whichever they, or clear the ball or whatever they would want to do, Richie Asiata just, you know, busts his butt and gets down, um, recovers the ball and then runs almost all the way down to the uh to the in goal area um stopped just shy of the line um and then you know a couple pick and goes and um Deanna eventually crosses over for the first arrow try of the season and to me that just kind of sums it up where it was like the arrows were just so much better than austin that even when the arrow screwed up they were so much better <laughs> that it didn't matter because, like you said, they lose the lineup, but it doesn't matter because Asiata is faster than everybody on Austin reacting to it. Gets the ball. They actually benefited from it because they probably got to the try line faster than they would have if they won that lineup. Yeah. Um, and the arrows score. The arrows score a try under 20 seconds after they lose a lineup. And that's just the way the game went. Um, Austin had zero answers for anything. Um, they really could not handle the the attack. Looked outstanding. Um, that one that one try that Dan Moore scored was I was was a mind boggling, um, and uh, yeah, like it was just just all around outstanding. But yeah, there was there's some mistakes there um, that probably do have to be corrected. But overall, you can be super happy about it um, just because of how much they actually dominated that game. And you know these guys are professionals, and, and, and all the the recaps and the the writings that that have been done uh, talk about how they the arrows probably looked like the most professional outfit. And I think part of that is the, is is that they they walked the walk, they used to talk to talk after and during the halftime, is they were they were not happy with that game by oh. by any means. The, lots, the arrows lots are a to team. The arrows are a team too. It's like I know, like they weren't happy with that game. The arrows are a team too. That like everyone's like, oh yeah, last year was a great season. Talk to any arrows player; they hated that fact that they lost in that final or in the semifinal to Seattle. Like they're like incredibly disappointed by it, and like are not at all happy with the way that that season went. Um, and it's you know, it's just the mindset of that team is basically, you know, 
play perfect I guess play perfect rugby win win a championship and then everything else will kind of be a disappointment so um, yeah you know, so it's a it's kind of that that little bit of that uh killer instinct to kind of have in them which is honestly part of what makes them such a good team too yeah and we really saw their depth as well one thing that we we saw this game and, and maybe it's because they were playing the Gildronies and it was the start of the season is that uh they, they weren't afraid to put subs on quickly, especially one guy in particular, Pat Lynott, who you really never really saw until that, that clock got to the, to the 70th minute last year. I mean, Rob Brower played a lot of minutes when he was, you know, starting. And I was really impressed by, by Lynott. Um, he made a couple big, strong tackles, and, and he was also starting to carry the ball as well. And he performed well in the scrum. And I, I think he's going to be someone that I'm going to really enjoy watching. And if this is going to be, you know, he gets in for every couple of games. I don't know what their plan is with Rob Browner. I know that, weird enough, I follow his wife on Instagram, so I know that one of their children had a birthday over the weekend, so maybe that's one of the reasons why he, he wasn't traveling or, or maybe it's load management. You know, there, there's, there are different hypotheses of why he was not playing this weekend. But if, if, I, if that means that I get to see more uh, Pat Lynott this season, I'm I'm okay with that because he looks bigger and and really impressed me. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, Lineout was uh Lineout was really good in in that too, and it's also, you know, it, uh, Richie Asieda as well. Uh, I thought had a really good game. He put in a solid seventy minute shift. One kind of an interesting thing with that Lineout, um, you know, came on for Cole Keith uh, with Rowland coming off for Asieda. So I guess Asieda's ability to go on either side of the scrum is a yeah, he is, just is switched beneficial. over. Yeah, so that's that's a super beneficial thing to have. Gives you a lot of versatility um, with your game management, um, and yeah, like there's there's nobody on the arrows. That, like I thought, everybody was definitely uh, definitely had a solid games in their own right. Um, I think you know the 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 broadcast gave the man of the match to Dan Moore, which I mean, fair play to them. But I personally kind of was feel that it's like the man of the match should have been a thirteen way tie for everybody that lined up in the pack. Um, because the pack is the, the, essentially the reason why they won this game, um, or like one of the key reasons that they won this game, um, just because it was so absolutely dominant when um, they got down there. And, you know, guys like uh, Lynott, uh Ng, and Rowland um, are a big part of that because they were able to come in. They kept the momentum going. Uh, like we said, it's like, you know, uh, Peter Malazzo's try uh, late in the game. It was, you know, uh, Rowland, Rowland, Ng, Lynott, uh, Francis and obviously Malazzo were all in that scrum at the end, right? So it was, you know, the five, the five new new forwards making a big impact and uh, you know showing that they will all, you know, the arrow scrum isn't going to uh, take the foot off the gas just because the uh, the reserves come onto the pitch. Now, one of the new things about this season, and it was it wasn't official last episode, so we didn't want to talk about it a whole lot, but this was the first game that was on TSN's broadcast. Now, it was still MLR producing the, the feed and, and broadcasting team, and it was just being aired on TSN. But mm-hmm. um, we both feel, and we've both talked about TSN as a broadcaster, is, is a big step. I mean, for our fans who are not uh, familiar with the broadcasting scene, especially for sports in Canada, there are, there are two broadcasters. There's TSN, which is owned by Bell Media, and then there's... Sportsnet, which is owned by Rogers. So they're the two largest media companies, and they produce almost all the sporting content 
in Canada. So for the Arrows to now be played not only on one of their channels, which it isn't, not everyone is going to have TSN 2. Unfortunately, I realized over the weekend that it is, uh, you have to pay a little bit more. Um, but it not, was also on TSN Direct, which was really nice for, for people. This is the only game that's going to be on TSN 2, though. Um, okay. The, yeah, all the uh, TSN Direct is going to have all the game. I personally watched uh, this game on uh, TSN Direct. I just used the TSN 2 feed that's on there. Um, so I didn't actually watch it on cable. I watched it using the TSN app and their ser- online services there. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so the rest, I believe it's the rest of the home ge- or the away games are going to be available uh, through TSN Direct, TSN.ca. Um, and then all the home games are going to be on the main network. Um, Which is very exciting. Yeah, so uh, that's so- that's going to be huge. That is, if you, the main network, obviously, if you pay for TSN, that's what you get um, across the country. So um, it that's, you know, that's obviously a super exciting thing. Um, for both Major League Rugby and, um, you know, the Toronto Arrows specifically, um, to have that platform where you're going to be playing your games on the, the biggest, basically the biggest network, um, for, uh, sports network in, in our country. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's great to see, um, you know, it's good to see too, that it's like, you know, anybody that tuned in, they got, uh, they got a, they did get a pretty entertaining game out of it. Um, the arrows were kind of dominant. I hope everybody kind of watched that Dan Moore try and really enjoyed it because you know i feel like we haven't talked enough about that try because that try was essentially flawless rugby um oh yeah yeah that count the counter attack um uh that's started kind of adams with that great take mckenzie changing directions they um they went 60 meters zigzagged across the field three times um in just nine phases and 75 seconds um and it's just it just kind of showed the you know, just the attacking prowess that this team has. Um, and, you know, like we said, there was a lot of handling errors in the game. Um, if they can if they can clean that up, um, they're they're going to destroy teams. Um, because if they play if they play every possession like that one, um, well, w- that end with Moore's try, it's like they're going to be an incredibly tough team to stop. And I hope I hope they had a they have a way to like bottle that and just, uh, you know, channel that energy um, for the games going forward, because I uh, I can get used to watching this that for the, for the rest of the season oh for sure and i think that we saw other than just that try we saw a lot of those flexibility in terms of play from the back line so it will be definitely exciting to see them and see them on tsn yeah and you and, know if anybody I was to say, I just I think that's a good thing too. It's like the Toronto Arrows are a team that I think like showed with that attacking structure and stuff. They play they play a very um, expansive and exciting brand of rugby. So you know if you're trying to introduce people that haven't necessarily watched a game of rugby before, um, you know the the Arrows uh, are going to be a good MLR team to, uh, to you know to show them and uh, hopefully that you know just because they are they do have an entertaining style of play and um, you know hopefully. You know, people tuning in on TSN are going to be able to recognize that entertaining style of play and, uh, you know, uh, see the sport and get engaged in it and, you know, enjoy it. And then, you know, hopefully start following it and um, ideally create some new fans. I think, you know, the one thing that I would love to see and, you know, I'm not sure if it has happened yet, but it's like hopefully we start to see some like uh, TSN like promoting it a little bit, like maybe like a little little ads or something. I 
don't know the, how that would work or if there's, you know, extra contracts that have to be written and get that. Um, but, you know, just the fact that it's on the network already is amazing. And, you know, it's only going to grow um, the Toronto Arrows and MLR brand um, in Canada. And if anyone is super curious about our views on TSN, you know, we talked, we went into depth about this when we talked about their coverage of the World Cup. You know, currently they have, uh, they, they cover the Super Rugby, the ARC, the World Cup, and then test matches for Canada, and now the Arrows. So they're pr- producing quite a portfolio of rugby, especially anything that's got a little bit of Canadian content, which is exciting. And uh, speaking of Canadian content, and we're... Do, oh, one other thing to uh, remember, too, is uh, I believe TSN does archive games, um, so... Uh, Definitely, you know, go and check back, and uh, hopefully we start to see some MLR games kind of left up there. Obviously, there's uh, so hopefully we start to see like you know if you miss the game, you can still go to TSN site and uh, check that out. Um, but I believe also you know Facebook Watch um, is still a valid option if you need to catch a replay of the game too. Um, so watch as much Arrows Rugby as you possibly can. And and, and for the most part, the, the league itself is pretty good with their YouTube channel of posting some games. Um, not as fast though. So, so those two are two great options. Um, the next thing we're going to talk about though is is something that has been talked a little bit, especially after the weekend, and it, it is pretty interesting. Um, the the uh, amount of Canadian captains in MLR is is very interesting. You know, we've got uh, we've got uh, tra- uh, Josh Larson in uh, in New England, Dan Moore. With the arrows, which that would make the most sense, a Canadian mm. captain, a Canadian side. Kyle mm. Bailey for this game, and then assistant captain for you know the future. Uh, yeah. Matt Heaton in Atlanta, and then Lucas Romball is an assistant with with the arrows. Uh, you know, vice, vice is, captain. We're going back to hockey terminology with the vice captain. captain. Vice okay, captain. sorry, the European habits still are hard in an MLR. But you know, is this is this just a coincidental year where a bunch of teams are just saying, oh, what a coincidence. You know, there's a bunch of Canadians that are captains. Or are Canadians drinking just a certain type of water or is it a maple syrup thing? You know, is is or is it just this age of Canadians just have the leadership material? I lean to more it just being a coincidence. I know people are trying to make a narrative out of this. You know, they're certainly all good players. I mean, minus minus more, they were all part of the World World Cup team. They all Including they all got more, they all should have been a part of the World Cup team. Thank you. Thank you. I will always be on that train, so I appreciate you setting me straight. But, you know, I, I think it's just one of those cases of You've got a bunch of capped Canadians with experience in other leagues or in this league, and it just happened that they all had leadership qualities. Now, do you think I'm wrong? Do you think that that Rugby Canada is just producing a bunch of captains and and this should be the future of of how MLR runs? It just should be a requirement for Canadians to be captains? Well, I mean, like, statistically... The four teams with Canadian captains were undefeated, so statistically, it's looking pretty good right now. Um, <laughs> like, hey, it's just, hey, it's the way it, it's the way it worked. Like, it's they're uh, 
teams with Canadian captains, 4-0 on the weekend right now in MLR. Um, but, uh, I mean, so, I mean, yeah, it'd be cool. I mean, obviously, like, as a Canadian rugby fan, I'm totally an advocate for both more Canadian players in the league and, you know, giving those players bigger roles, whether it's, you know, constantly starting or uh, giving them a captain, um, naming them captain. Um, it's, you know, it's great to see. Realistically, though, it's, you know, it's cool to see, but it's probably like, just a coincidence. Um, I don't even know if it's really a coincidence. Uh, these guys are named captains for the reason. So it's, I, I want to call it a coincidence because they all are very deserving to be named um, captain of their squads. Um but I think, you know, I think coaches kind of look more through the, like the, uh, the leadership skills and, you know, what, uh, what you actually bring to the team as opposed to like what your passport says. So I don't think, I don't think teams should start, you know, going out there listening to me being like, oh, see, all the Canadian captains were four and oh, so, uh, Josh Steele is the captain of the San Diego Legion now. Um, I don't think that's <laughs> something that should necessarily happen. Um, but you know, it's, it is, it is honestly like, it is great to see. Um, but yeah, passports, passports don't really matter when it comes to this decision. It's, you know, the qualities of the individual person and the arrows themselves are like one of the teams to kind of prove that, right? Like last year, uh, with Rumball hurt. And then during that three games in eight days stretch, uh, Dan Moore didn't start against San Diego. So they named, uh, so instead of going with another Canadian, they named Sam Malcolm captain, um, becoming the first non-Canadian to captain the Toronto arrows. Um, so it's, it's just, it's more, it's about like you know, the qualities you have as, uh, as have as an individual, um, which you can bring to the team, all that, all, everything that makes somebody a good leader, um, a lot more than what your passport actually says. And, uh, coaches are going to pick the guys with those leadership qualities, um, regardless of what part of the world they're from. Um, it's just, you know, it's just kind of one of those cool, it's, it's the same thing that I was kind of getting at with, um, you know, there being so many, uh, the tries being scored by Canadians to open up a franchise with, uh, you know, Frazier and Heaton there. It's just one of those things like it's cool when it happens, but um, and you kind of celebrate it. So it's really it is nice to see that, like, you know, realistically, um, a third of the league is captained by Canadian players. Um, so, you know, it's it's cool, but it's not like I don't think it necessarily uh, as your question was worded, necessarily means Canadians are better leaders than uh, our American counterparts. <laughs> and you know what? Someone on Reddit will take it that way, though. Someone is going to read into this a little too hard, and that's what will happen. I just but want, that's fine. Yeah, I just want someone to like chop that up and be like, "Yeah, see, like all the teams with Canadian captains are undefeated." Let's go, like, start naming it. Start naming everybody that's a Canadian on your team. Just have them the captains. Be interesting. Uh, interesting. Be like, you know, next week Old Glory is going to come out. It's going to be Hearn and uh, Frazier uh, as the <laughs> captains. If they win, maybe they stick with it. Um, but you know, I guess I guess the real test is going to be like what happens though when Canadian captains play each other. So uh, see what uh, it might uh, break the streak a little bit there. Well, but. I mean, we already got that when we had the 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 no Canadian Derby this weekend with with uh, Colorado and Houston. Ah, uh, uh, then. So, it- then it, yeah, so that just defaults to the team with the worst scrum loses. So there you go. Yeah, Canadian captain, no Canadian captain, and then it goes by scrub. Yeah, well, that was one of the cool things too about the uh, the Arrows home opener last year is that uh, Eric Howard was the captain for NOLA. So first uh, professional rugby union game to be played in Canada, um, first MLR game to be played in Canada was um, uh, Dan Moore or uh, Lucas Rumble for that game and. Uh, 
Eric Howard as the uh, the captains. And you know what? Uh, at first, I'm like, well, of course, it's the first professional game. There's been no other league. And then a little part of my brain goes, no, Dan, you just forced the thought of pro rugby out of your brain. <laughs> so right. to finish off the weekend, you, everyone, everyone, if you listen to last week's episode, um, I'm getting messages from Brock Smith from the Arrows, and he is he he's messaging me about Spencer Jones being on the wing. So already <laughs> we know that the Arrows are listening. But uh, we made our bets for last week, and uh, Derek came out on top. I I did not think Colorado was going to play that badly, and I grossly it's not that Colorado played bad. It's that Houston is better than Colorado. Yeah. Anyway, so Derek had five games correctly, and we're just going to go, you win a game, you get a point. So Derek has five points. I have three. You know, neither of us got that point for that, uh, to that uh, Cold War game between Rooney and the Free Jacks. Nobody called so we're, no called Nobody called If you, you pick the Free Jacks to win that game, you are just lying. Well, we're good for the Free Jacks for winning it. I'm not trying to take anything away from that. It's just that, yeah, they were significant underdogs to win that game. And now we're going to look forward to the next weekend. And uh, the first game we're going to talk about really in depth, and will be the only one we're going to talk about in depth, is the Arrows game versus Houston. Now, this is really going to be challenging the Arrows scrum because Houston is going to be a significant upgrade against their compared to their Texas compadres and their brethren but uh, I think that they'll be a really it, it will be the deciding factor on whether or not we can really say that this scrum means something I know that you were down at the the controlled scrimmage against Rooney and they still did pretty well there but I think that this will be very interesting to watch but my one question about this game is you know they they, they brought in some some uh, some good backs to fill their back line in but isn't as much of a threat as last year. You know, they have no Joshua Vithi. He's out in pro pro uh, D2 in France scoring some big tries. You know, Threaten Palamo is now with Old Glory. And Santiago Arada, who was just a lightning bug of a nuisance at scrum half and always a threat. And we saw him in the World Cup score an amazing try. Are they just as much of a threat from their back line as they were last year? Um, yes, uh, I would argue that their backline is probably better than it was last year. Um, you know, that, that game against Colorado, you know, a big, big factor, uh, factor in it was the backline, um, new scrum half to wet roost, um, was excellent. Um, really good ball management, really good, uh, new, like, you know, always seem to be making the right decision as far as which option to play the ball. Um, Sam Windsor is still Sam Windsor, um, you know, and I, I know the Houston Sabercats have struggled, so maybe just how good he is kind of gets overshadowed by the fact that they haven't been a great team in ML in the first two years of MLR. Um, Sam Windsor in the game against Colorado uh, this past weekend, um, basically, you know, his his kicking from hand was phenomenal. Uh, he kind of just basically looked like uh, John Ryberg is like, I'm going to make your life miserable as you're going to spend this <laughs> entire game tracking a ball over your head that you're out of position on um and that which will... isn't his strongest suit i mean and, and it, ryberg's yeah, position is not his strongest suit by any means 
Yeah, and and you know, and the uh, the Saber Cats, especially Windsor, just took advantage of it, man. They had um, that's what they used to, you know, gain a lot of their territory back. Um, you know, kind of flip the pitch really quickly. Um, T and Lutz and Matthias Freire were outstanding in the centers. A lot of uh, you know, really nice uh, plays combinations. They both uh, racked up quite a number of meters. Um, so that another that was a really solid performance from him. From them, they all they had that really nice, really nice try. Um, after uh, Roos kind of just scrambled a ball back to Windsor um, out of a ruck. And then, you know, it just went uh, um, Windsor, Lutz, Friar, Lutz, Windsor, um, just as they kind of, you know, split open the Colorado defensive line, um, for, for which was a very nice try. Um, obviously, then you kind of close it out with uh, Zach Pangelian and Ose Kalinasal. And yeah, that gets a solid back line. Um, Lutz and Friar um, kind of proving that uh, they're going to, they're going to be some pretty great players in major league rugby. Um, so I, I think it's, they're definitely, they're definitely um, up there. Um, they like, honestly, like I think the game that we saw last, last week, it's like, they're showing that they're, you know, they're capable of being a playoff team in the Western conference. Um, so, and I think the back line is a part of that as you kind of touched on as well. The scrum um, is, is, it is better than, um, Austin, um, and you know they have, uh, you know their their front their front row with uh, Val Lilo, Diego Fortuny, and Charlie Connolly um, impressed quite a bit um, during during this game. They both they all all three of them had had pretty solid games, um, both in the scrummaging department, just like their open field play as well. Um, Lilo and Connolly uh, were pretty pretty big in uh, defense in certain situations. Brighton back Con- uh, Brighton back Compat in the second row, Garber uh, Mango and Boyson all. Uh, Diego Magno is is a solid player, um, and uh, Yanni Dream Boyson um, was you know he had a he had a great game too. He kind of proved that he would be somebody that's going to be a challenge to tackle if he gets a full head of steam going as well. Um, and they were able to use the scrum to create a couple tries um, for the team. So overall, like they they've had a really solid game uh, against Colorado. I think they proved that they're extremely capable of becoming a playoff team in the Western Conference. Um, and, uh, you know, they, I think going into the season, a lot of people would agree that they're better than Utah and Austin. And they just proved that they're a lot better than Colorado, too. Um, going back to last year, they've now won five straight in a row. So um, they're kind of they're kind of rolling and, uh, you know, they, they look pretty good um, overall. Um, and um, I think it, it'll be uh, it'll be some competition for the arrows for sure. Um, definitely not a match that, uh, that the boys can take lightly. Um, I would still expect, though. Um, the scrum to be dominant again and um, yeah they just like uh, if they can play like you said that Dan Moore try I hope we I hope we get to see more of that because that was that was flawless um, I do like their attack um, it'll be a kind of a similar thing you know if you can control Sam Windsor kind of limit his impact um, it'll limit what some of the other guys can do because they still do kind of rely on him but Lutz and Freyer um, also open up space for Sam Windsor because now you got to be worried about them too. Um, yeah. So even even though they've had those departures, um, I definitely the Saber Cats are certainly a better team than what they were last year, and definitely a better team than what they were two years ago. Um, so it, it it's uh, absolutely not a game that can be taken lightly. Um, they'll probably you know they're gonna be definitely if they keep if the Toronto Arrows make the same errors in the line out and with ball handling that they did in the last game, um, the, the Sabercats will probably make them pay for it. Um, especially, uh, definitely a lot more than what Austin did. 
And you know what? Hopefully, in terms of the weather, we'll have an in-between of what, what was going on between Vegas and Austin. You know, mm-hmm. Vegas, you had the wild winds, and then you just had the rain. So hopefully, we'll find a common, nice little middle ground for this weekend in, in Vegas. It'll just be nice, nice weather. They'll be able to play some rugby, and there won't be any rain. Because that's what I think that we have. There's fun rugby. Yeah. Now, now in the broadcast for the Vegas game, they did also mention that, that that some of the scrummagers were having some problems with the turf and and getting a good uh, footing. So that will be interesting to see as well when you got two teams like this mm-hmm. uh, going together in the scrum. So take that into consideration, folks, when you're watching this game because it might play a little bit into consideration. But in honor of going to Vegas next weekend. Derek has challenged me, not so much to a bet, but we want to play some bets about this season of MLR. Yeah. Exactly. And Derek, we're, we're going to the gambling capital of the world, man. We got we to gotta partake. When in Rome, as they say, right? So, Derek, because this was your crazy idea, I want you to go first. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I presented to Dan that we would both place some Major League Rugby bets. And um, because we already did a podcast in which we made predictions, I want to steer clear of that. So just something cool that you think would happen. So for Dan, I'm going to go first. I would, um, if I, you know, uh, when I go to Vegas this week for the MLR Rugby weekend, I will walk into uh, and whichever establishment will allow me to place this wacky bet. Um, but what I'm going to say is that as it stands right now, the MLR record for the most points in a game um, is held by the Toronto Arrows when they beat the Utah Warriors 64-31 to 31 last year. And I'm going to – my bet that I want to place is that the Toronto Arrows are going to beat that twice. Ooh. So that's, okay. that's, the, bet, that's the bet that I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make. I feel like with the way their offense and with the way their scrum is looking – of uh, when they get to some of the the weaker teams in the league, I know they played Austin last week. Um, but I think when they get to later in the year, um, and the off and everything kind of starts clicking, um, they're gonna start to run over some teams. And you know they're the they're the team that already did break or already set the pace on that record. So I will be backing them to do it again. So mine is a little. It's, it's an interesting one, and this is something that I've been thinking about. Uh, we're now season into season three with the business, uh, with Major League Rugby running as a business, and I think I'm going to go with a business bet. And I think that one of the teams in MLR is going to sign a major sponsorship deal. And, you know, we've had some pretty, pretty you know, mm. larger uh, signings in terms of MLR happen over the summer, but I think this is going to be a big one. Like I think it's going to be a large company, a well-known company, you know, something like like with uh, you know Man U having uh, Chevrolet on their jersey. I think it's going to be big. I think so so gonna like, be... I was going to say, like, what do you define as big? Because I like, think like like S- San Diego like, had uh, San Diego had BMW on their kit this weekend. Which is, and I think it's going to be something and, uh, like that. Tr- in, in Toronto, terms of obviously, that Toronto has obviously Honda. has Honda still. But I think this is going to be, I think it's going to be something mean, like financially big or like the I think it's going to be something, something financially big. I think that the I, league is going to get an influx of money. I don't know who, because I have I yeah, know I think, nothing about business. But <laughs> I think that, the, that uh, 
And, and this is there, there's always a cravat with my answers, and it's going to depend on attendance rising a little bit after this little, this weekend. But if people see what's going on in Atlanta with their fans, and and Seattle's got a bit their first home game coming up soon, and and I was really impressed by the crowd in, in San Diego, and I think the Arrows are going to have pretty big crowds this year too. I think that someone is going to sign on with MLR and show them the money which I'm very excited about. So I think that's going to be my bet is someone is going to sign a sponsorship deal with MLR and it's going to be a big one. Well, yeah, I mean like that, that's uh, that obviously that'd be super cool to happen. Um, that's kind of what George Killebrew's bread and butter is too, is the, uh, the sponsorship side of the game. So, you know, the new commissioner could uh, hopefully have a hand in, uh, you know, you being able to cash out on that bet. So um, yeah, I'm be, hoping, I'm see. hoping yeah. because, I need a win. <laughs> yeah, you win. Uh, your predictions didn't go too well last week, so hopefully this one pays out for you. So we're now going to do our uh, – we're going to finish off tonight, and we're going to do our, our uh, weekly uh, bets on who we think are going to uh, win uh, the games for this weekend, especially with Vegas. I, I'm, I'm hoping that my bets come out with, uh, with some big earnings. So the first game we're going with is the Free Jacks versus the Warriors. Uh, am I going first? You go first. Um, I think it's a pretty easy one for both of us. Yeah, I was just say this is uh, based based on the games from last week. Free Jacks. Um, yeah, I'm I'm going yeah, Free Jacks I think, too. I was just say I didn't. Nobody nobody took them last week, but I mean, you know, part of it's the fact that they're playing Utah. Um, but yeah, I'll take the Free Jacks. Uh, great performance last week. Coming off, they're playing a team that um you know honestly for early through the season their preseason and even against atlanta they haven't looked that great blowing a lead against atlanta too um and then losing out on the bonus point late in the game as well um so it's been a rough start to the year for the utah warriors uh meanwhile the free jacks just you know like you said stunned everybody and i got off to that hot start so um i'll back them to uh you know carry on with that Gildronis, Gilgronis versus Rooney. Uh yeah, I feel like this is a, a another uh easier one to call. I would uh Gilgronis, um, you know, they they're still I I think they're better than that last year. Um they're still gonna they're, but they're still gonna struggle. Um Rune, uh so I'll take Rooney to bounce back um to their defeat of the uh Free Jacks last week and uh, put in a strong stronger performance against the Gilgronis. You know, there's something about the Gilgronies that I, I think that if they Take had them. a full roster and I, if, you know, give this a couple weeks, you know, maybe maybe this game would come out differently. But I just think that give, Rooney is going to come out mad give, and pissed. And Yeah. Give it a couple of weeks when Ashley Cooper and Morath show up. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a different uh, team. Then we could see a different Gilgronies team. But uh, I got to stick with, with Rooney. I, I can't make... Another bad bet. So I'm playing it safe this week to get back into the into the black. So uh, the next game is the Saber Cats versus the Arrows. Uh yeah, I, uh, I'm gonna go with the uh, the Arrows again. I still think you know from what I've from what I've seen now, uh, they're you know they're one of the best teams in the uh, the East, and uh, they're going to uh, you know they're gonna uh, continue on to show that. Like you said, it's like you know they they were they kind of showed this week that you know. They, they might not be able to play their best, and they can still destroy a team. Um, Sabercats, I think, will give them a much tougher test. 
Um, they're definitely going to have to be a lot cleaner, but I would still uh, still back the arrows on this one. Yeah, I've, I I actually think this is going to be a very close game. I think that yeah. uh, the Sabercats are going to give them fits, especially um, when when they make them play defense. Uh, but I think that the arrows will pull pull off the win. Uh, the next game is the Sea Wolves versus Old Glory. Oh yeah, I know. Um, you know, I feel like from what I saw against Old Glory, or uh, from Old Glory last week, I feel like it's going to be tough to take them um, until the beast really arrives. Um, their scrum just, uh, especially going up against the Sea Wolves here, it's, uh, I don't think their scrum is going to be uh, be enough to uh, to hang in there. Um, so yeah, this uh, yeah, so Sea Wolves. And you know what? We were we were a little bit more divided last week. Yeah, this is a this is a bit of seems like a bit of a bit of a less decisive week here. Let's uh, and can... you know what? It's just these matchups. And again, I think that uh, Old Glory can do some creative things, but their pack is just so 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 not good. I don't want to say bad, but not good. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of not good packs, Raptors and and the Legion. And you were the king of segues, man. Um, I'm working on it. We're yeah. we're getting there. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's tough to not say the San Diego Legion. Um, wow, man, are we? Uh, we're man, just picking picking all the same here across the board, eh? But th- this one will be the decisive one. I think this one, rugby ATL versus Nola. Derek, who are you oh. picking in this game? Yeah. Man, you know this, this is this is actually a little bit of a tough one. I do like what I saw out of rugby. Do you, ATL. Do you want me to go first? Because I, I I'm gonna pick rugby ATL. Ah, you're gonna pick a rugby ATL. See, I was kind of leaning over. The, you know what? All right, we got to be a little bit different. We got to be a little different. Yeah, and that's if why I'm going rugby go first. ATL. I will. I'll take Nola to put up a uh, another. You know, maybe another forty-five point night here, as they are known for. Um, honestly, like that's probably. You know, I'd be curious to see what other people kind of have to say when those predictions and stuff come out. Um, be interesting to see if anybody, but it seems like there are some matchups here that it's, you know, the Arrow Sabercats. I mean, um, that's probably a little bit closer than I think a lot of people might think. Um, Got to always, you know, it's it's tough sometimes to vote against the arrows. So let's be honest. Um, we'll and, call this uh, basically. This is a week. Is is, is this the stat uh, padding week? You know, there's going to be other weeks where we're going to be a yeah. little more dis, uh, argumentative. But I think this week is just yeah, no, exactly. But hey, like I mean, I think what we kind of saw last week, right? Like nobody, you know, it's kind of the one thing that can make this league so fun. Nobody, nobody picked uh, the Free Jacks to beat Rooney. Um, you know, not just our podcast, but like basically everywhere, no one picked that. Everyone. I think Earful of Dirt said they had five people on their like pick'em pool. That rugby pick'em. Um, so like, I mean, congrats to those five people. You look like geniuses right now. Uh, I haven't seen your other picks though, so who knows? Maybe they were one. Yeah. Five, or maybe they were one in five or something. Who knows? But um, the uh, the but yeah, like the um, like it kind of shows that anybody can sort of beat anybody on any given night. Um. So, uh, you know, who knows what will actually happen here. It's like just because the picks line up does, definitely doesn't mean we could uh, we could end this being, well, one of us is going to at least get one win with this uh, NOLA rugby ATL split. But, uh, you know, we could we could be coming back here just one in, one in five next weekend. So, you know, there's always, always that bit of parity. But I kind of 
don't think that would happen. So if I thought that would happen, I would just pick all the other teams. But <laughs> and, and we will see. It'll, it'll be a very exciting uh, weekend of rugby. Rugby in Vegas. Uh, hopefully there's a great turnout. If you guys are there, send us the picture. Show us what you got. And uh, enjoy the, the warm weather, all you MLR fans. And if you're living in Canada, just survive the winter. <laughs>